In our first episode of The Interface, I sit down with Matt Simons from Amphenol Aerospace in Sydney, New York. Matt is an applications engineer. He's been focusing a lot of his time on high power, ruggedized products for the military, commercial aerospace, and space industries. And as you'll hear, Matt is a young, fun guy to spend time with. He loves to tinker, loves to play around with things, figure things out. He has a very inquisitive mind, which is perfect for his job here. This is The Interface. We're with Matt Simons. Matt Simons works at Amphenol Aerospace in Sydney, New York. What would you describe your title here at Amphenol? I'm a uh, applications engineer. I'm also a product manager for our uh, weapons and power connector lines. It's kind of a hybrid role, marketing, engineering, do a little bit of both. Applications engineer. Tell us a little bit about that. What do you do as an applications engineer? What I do most of the day is take new customer requests. Either they have a problem, they have a new application, they're trying to navigate the maze of products we have here because you literally click on, A, there's 120 Amphenols, so they don't even know if they're in the right market. Mm -hmm. Um, They might be looking in the industrial market, but they need an aerospace connector. So I try to get the customer down a road that they should be on and then work with them Um, translate their electrical requirements into connector requirements. It's pretty cool. You get to work on pretty much every application you can imagine. I know working with you over the last few years and you and I going around to all sorts of different events, um, you certainly have a good understanding, uh, at least in the military and aerospace group, of all the different types of solutions that we could offer customers, technologies, products, and so forth. Yeah, absolutely. How much you like learning about all that stuff? Uh, it's definitely fun. For example, working with Amphenol PCD uh, with cable assemblies, mm-hmm. I've been kind of limited to the connector world here. But once you start branching out, like you said, at these trade shows, you you meet so many different employees from other Amphenol divisions, learn their products. And we're not making just connectors. We're making the cable assembly and piecing everything together. Just Learning about wire. Honestly, the first four years I spent here in uh, design engineering, didn't even know anything about what the wires that were actually hooking up to the connectors. So <laughs> just designing you know, connectors. Yeah, you yeah. know, I'd see some standard white insulated wire in the test lab, but I had no idea that there's literally thousands of different types of wires. Those are the things you you have to start putting together because. Our customers need to know that piece of information. So they're not just worried about the connector. Usually the guy you're working with, he's looking at back shells, the cables. Maybe they're building their own cable assembly. So mm-hmm. yeah, you really got to learn all that stuff really quick when you're in uh, applications engineering. Take me back to young Matt Simons, who's grown up just outside of Binghamton, New York, hanging around, goofing off half the time, but you get into Binghamton University Mm -hmm. to study engineering. What drew you towards that as a high school junior, high school senior, as you start thinking about careers? Or was it that simple? Was it that linear or was it a pretty windy path in order to get to the engineering piece? Well, uh, not to take anybody out on the podcast, but my guidance counselor was kind of a disaster. Um, I didn't even know that there were AP classes. I didn't Mm -hmm. even know they were a thing. So yeah, I did the honors classes and English, history, math. I really didn't know 
what I wanted to do. Every engineer says, yeah, I like to take things apart uh, as a kid, but I was actually really interested in architecture. Quickly realized in art classes, yeah, I can make new things, make things that work, but I have no clue how to make them pretty. So uh, that went out the door, and uh, that's when um, I started to learn a little bit about um, engineering. And I looked at civil, but civil's kind of more construction mm-hmm. and uh, bridges didn't really interest me. So. I saw mechanical is kind of a bridge to a lot of different other types of engineering. If you have a mechanical degree, you have a lot more options. Bioengineering, I I can't see myself designing a new arm, for example, a new robotic arm. So it was pretty simple for me. I chose uh, mechanical engineering and Mm -hmm. um, rest is history. See, as someone who doesn't have an engineering background, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I almost think sometimes of mechanical engineering, maybe because we're around them so much, is almost like getting a business degree. Like it just gives you a base, a foundation for anything you want to do in here. Obviously, electrical engineers and others, I think, are a little bit more specialized. Mm -hmm. But mechanical engineer, at least for the industry that we're in, which is making interconnect products, Mm -hmm. is a perfect way to really understand the intricacies and how these things are built. Yeah. And Boy, that's really obvious. But. No, well, well you, I think you bring up a good point, though, because a lot of people that come into the connector industry think, oh, electrical engineer. No, that's not the case. Uh, obviously, there's certain connectors that require broader electrical engineering understanding and experience, but um, we're really making mechanical packagings for basically copper, copper contacts. And it's really the environments that these are in that you learn about uh, when you're getting your mechanical engineering degree, vibrations, solid mechanics, different topics like that. Mm -hmm. Um, When you get into some more complicated connectors, heat transfer comes into play. How do we draw heat out of the connector, the heat that's building up because of the resistance in the pins? I'll tell you, in college, it's very equations-based. It's like learning another language, Mm -hmm. but you really come out of there with just a base understanding of all of these topics, all of these courses, and you learn more in your first month at work than you do in your whole college career. Right, and that's what I was going to ask you. How long did it take before you were like, wow, I'm not necessarily over my head, but I know now that I know nothing, and I have a lot to learn. Well, I had uh, probably the most interesting circumstances of anyone starting here. I interviewed the day that Amphenol actually announced that they were going to stay in Delaware County. I was actually right. mid-interview, mm-hmm. and um, I was sent off to grab a cup of coffee by our uh, HR guy. Yeah. And he said, um, hey, could you come back in like an hour? <laughs> Just something I got to uh, a meeting that we got to go to. So you have no so, idea what's going on. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I did do the typical research right. Um, right. before an interview, like anybody should. I know some people don't, but I did. So I got an understanding, hey, Amphenol doesn't make chemicals. It sounds like a chemical or pharmaceutical yeah, It does, company. yeah. 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 And that's what we always see at the trade shows. People yeah. say, Amphenol, do you make chemicals? Yeah. We're a pharmaceutical company. Yeah. 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 So. Make- Great um, products. Yeah. But yeah, getting back to your question, it was about, um, I'd say about six months before I was really rolling along and understanding the pieces of the connector, 
and getting into actual design um, because they are very complex. People look at the connector and say, small little connector, what could be in it? Tell you, there's about, I mean, we know there's about 15 components per connector easily. So, yes, um, all very intricate. Yeah, d- yeah, dimension down to the thousandth of an inch. So right. probably about three years before I really understood what every single dimension did in the product line that I was uh, the engineer for. You were working for a guy at the time who was a pretty darn good mentor to yes. Eric Schepler, yep. right? Who's since retired here. But how much did that help you having a a mentor like Eric Schepler to to guide you through the process? I can imagine it was probably pretty invaluable. Yeah, I I think I lucked out, even though um, the other managers uh, would have been great to learn from as well. But mm-hmm. Eric immediately made me get out on the floor, solve problems. He took me around, literally introduced me to every single person that he knew. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was valuable. That really helped me learn who to go to, who to learn from. Just that mentality by him alone, let alone the experience he had and right. the knowledge he had, uh, that was invaluable. I don't think I would have made the moves I've made here uh, without that experience. It might have been someone just hiding at a desk, drafting all day. Talk about the importance of that now as you transition into your sales job. Now You have to interface directly with customers, Mm -hmm. so you have this unique hybrid role of being a guy who started out as an engineer, a design engineer, and now you are working with the customers directly as opposed to getting it second or third hand, uh, at least on a normal basis. Talk about how much that's helped you out in your current role. Well, a lot of times the engineers, yes, were designing new products, were solving design issues, but a lot of times you become the main go-to person for that engineer at, at Amphenol. That person might not be tied into our customer service team or our quality team, so they expect a level of service from you, the applications engineer, to help them out. There could be a issue with a part, they ordered the wrong part, um, now he's sitting there with a helicopter on the ground and he made a mistake perhaps and they want to lean on you. So I need to be kind of the the voice of that engineer mm-hmm. and talk to our people, basically bringing the two worlds together. It's definitely challenging, but definitely helped me out getting out on the floor, knowing those people, knowing who to go to and knowing the information they want to see to help you out. So as you've transitioned into this newer role, this applications engineer, product manager, you kind of half in the factory, half out meeting with customers, your, one of your main focuses, foci, focuses, focuses. There you go. I like it. (laughs) Is the emphasis in the industry on, on high power products. Mm -hmm. You work with a lot of customers now, and we don't have to go through them. I think anyone who knows the industry probably knows who they are in the military and aerospace industry. The big boys. Industry. We the, call big them. Boys the big boys. boys, yeah. Right. Who have unique power requirements now as they're developing new platforms, new programs that require much greater power um, requirements than they have in the past, all while staying within the, the same size package or even smaller. And a large part of the success of those systems is dependent upon how well we can design and build those connectors. What's that challenge been like for you? Talk a little bit about those unique requirements. 
Everyone is trying to pack more punch into the same profile. They may have a two-inch space on their electrical box, and they might need to send 40% more ampacity through that one small space. Mm -hmm. So you can't just magically send more power through. There's a process to it. So um, we have a couple different uh, contact technologies, and by contact, basically the pins that are actually connecting the two connectors we can get into those a little bit more later. But basically, just finding ways to upgrade what they have with technology we have. So piecing together possibly a new connector with new contact technology, or in the case of if they're trying to send more voltage, that's a whole different animal. Can't just decrease the resistance between the joint to get a more um, productive product. You actually need to find a way to prevent dielectric breakdown. That can be very complicated and expensive as well, because usually the part of the connector, which Mm -hmm. is trying to prevent that, is the insert. And the inserts are typically molded. Right. Um, So for a company that I can't even imagine how many molds we have. uh, (laughs) Thousands and thousands. Thousands and thousands. Pallets and pallets and pallets of molds, warehouses. Obviously, and there's so many different configurations out there, We can't just say, hey, here's a new design with longer path for dielectric breakdown. Go retool the 500 different arrangements available. And it's just not feasible unless we, you know, double the size of all of our uh, molding departments. So how do we cocktail something that can fit into that existing solution? Or perhaps they have other connectors that we can downsize and make room for a larger connector if necessary because uh, i'll tell you i often get customers like yeah i need to triple the amount of power i'm sending and i have three square inches okay (laughs) put your boots on it's gonna be a long hike up the that trail sure thankfully not only in infinite aerospace where where you work and you do most of your design efforts but with some of our other sister divisions as well, both within the military and aerospace group and then outside of it as well, which is nice to have. Um, you have options that you can give customers that are certainly unique. Go through a couple of those. You were talking about the contact technologies in particular. I'll let you go ahead and brag a little bit about this stuff. Yeah, so Radsock has mm-hmm. been around forever, but we still call it new because new in the connector industry is 20 years, mm-hmm. I, I say, because... You'll be going through our system every once in a while. You'll see a print from the 1960s. Right. And, you know, it's... Or older. Or older, yeah. I have seen 50s, you're right. Yeah. Uh, So, but Radzok is essentially a stamped hyperbolic grid, twisted, put into a tube. And what that does, uh, instead of being a solid machined contact where you're basically only getting a couple points of contact... Um, if you picture a pizza and you cut it into a few sli- into eight slices, you'd have eight points of contact where that um, socket contact is gripping onto the pin contact. Mm-hmm. Where you have a hyperbolic grid, you get a stamp grid, you get some uh, deformation, which not only do you get a lot more points of contact, for example, a typical eight, size eight contact, you'll get six points of contact on a machine contact. On a Radsock grid, you're getting about 18 points of contact. Mm -hmm. And not only that, the points of contact, because there's deformation, because it's stamped, you're getting 
a lot more surface area as well. You're getting a right. greater area of true contact, as we like to say. That's my that's my buzz sentence. You like it? Okay. Yeah. This is your new theme. Yep. I'm, I can offer you true contact. Yes. Correct. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, the rad sock is basically something that we can drop into almost any connector mm-hmm. uh, that we have. And that's actually been my main push lately is how do we get that into ever as an option on every single connector line? Because you get about 40% more uh, current carrying capability out of that contact. Right. Now it does have its downsides. It can't go always up to the full operating temperature of the connector so that's where temper grip flies in to save the day. Temper grip is our other high current contact. Uses a stainless steel napkin ring, which where a typical contact, the tines or the spring fingers, spring leaves, whatever you want to call them. When we were talking about the pizza, mm-hmm. you cut the tube into a couple spring members. So a standard contact may tend to relax at higher temperatures as the Uh, material, the copper starts to anneal. Using a stainless steel ring around the outside helps to grip those, hence temper grip, Mm -hmm. and uh, gives you not only a greater area of true contact because you got a greater grip, but we're also able to, um, even at lower temperatures, because we have a little extra grip, you get a little greater normal force between the pin and the socket, and um, not as much current carrying capability as rad sock, but you do get an improvement at um, standard temperatures as well. For those who aren't a fan of Radsock for one reason or, or another, um, we do have a temper grip contact, which is a little bit more standard, similar, uh, a bit more similar to um, the standard uh, contacts in most of our mill spec connectors. And you have others I know that you've been working on, for example, like power lugs and so on from, from other divisions that you've been working with as well. Yeah, right. So um, our industrial uh, division, they've worked more in um, power a a little bit longer than I think we've started to focus on it in um, the military and aerospace industry. Right. I know you've seen my wonderful presentation where I basically trash the old products from the 60s and 70s, connectors that can get ran over by a tank, the Class L22992 connectors. And and we can make fun of them at the same time. We still sell a lot of Class L connectors. They're still used throughout, especially the, the military ground systems industry, command centers and whatnot. Yeah. So So the military, wherever possible, they want to use mil-spec products. Right. In industrial, there's a little bit more flexibility. RADSOC, we've slowly pulled from industrial into the military and aerospace industry as, you know, the older products just no longer really were meeting the new requirements that the military had. I look at the JLTV vehicle it's a lot smaller than our older military vehicles from Desert Storm era. So we need more current carrying capability in our connectors. Uh, we can't just keep using the giant connectors from yesteryear. Industrial has had a lot of different ways to hook up to the connectors. The military industry has pretty much been crimp and solder. Mm-hmm. You didn't really see a lot of lugs or bus bar type terminations. Think of your battery terminal on your car. There's a uh, ring lug on it. Well, industrial, they've started to adopt some of that. They may have a connector on a electrical box, and right behind that 
where you'd normally have a cable coming out on a military vehicle, they have a solid wall. Mm -hmm. They have nowhere to put a cable bend. So they make a 90 degree angle right off the back of that connector. Instead of having to worry about having a cable, they'll just put a ring log on it and then they can make a 90 degree turn. Now you alluded to downsizing earlier mm -hmm. um, on the military vehicles. We've adopted a connector line. Um, it's not as creative as some of our other divisions product names. We just call it the high power connector series. Right. We've started to incorporate a lot of those contact termination methods. You have a threaded post termination, which you can put your standard ring lug on. Mm -hmm. We have a female threaded termination where you can basically use a screw terminal and screw into the back of the connector. And then we also have lug termination, basically flat bar with a hole in it that you connect another flat bar with a hole in it to bolt it together. Our division, our neighbors down the road in Endicott, Amphenol IPC has a power lug product. It's actually a fused lug. It's one wire mm -hmm. and then the ends using heat and pressure formed into basically that lug and then they tin dip it. So um, it's a one piece. There's no risk of pulling a terminal off. I picture our guys out in the armed forces, you know, tugging on it, tugging on connectors. Oops. We ripped, uh, we ripped the wire right out of the connector. No, they're that, all gentle. Yeah. I don't know about that. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> so, but um, yeah, starting to make some of these termination methods that might've only been in the industrial world, bringing them into uh, the military uh, world and in a connector that still meets most of the environmental requirements that all our customers have, not just military, but aerospace as well, I think is really, is we've really seen a lot of interest and it really sparks a lot of ideas. So just having that in the catalog for them to look at, I mean, they're almost kind of doing my job for me. That's something we used to have to recommend, you know, when we hear a problem, hey, I got no room for a cable, what do we do? Mm -hmm. You know, we'd send it to our engineering group and someone would come up with a solution, but we want those solutions right out there. I've seen a lot of cool ideas come out of it. Things they're hooking up to these connectors in ways I didn't even, I didn't even think they would. So. Right. And that's the beauty of it is, is that we can throw that out there and, and, and try to market these different, the rat sock, the temper grip, power lugs, the bus mm -hmm. bars, all that stuff. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think where your joy comes from in working with customers is them going, I saw all this stuff and it looks cool, but what if I took a little bit of this, a little bit of that and put it together? Can we do that? And I think that's where any good design mechanical engineer would be like, oh, yeah, oh, now we're talking. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we. Price notwithstanding, of that, course. That, yes. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've always been excited at new product development. I mean. It's not just making a new product line, but I roll everything into that. Sometimes the design cycles a year, sometimes it's two years. I, I can't tell you the spreadsheet I have would just, it, you, you can see what customers take a long time to do things <laughs> and yeah. which ones move pretty fast. We need to be putting new products out there to start the conversation towards mm -hmm. new designs. But again, we also have to be reactive when we, we don't have a solution out there already, and we have to come up with a custom design on the fly and go through that process. 
And that's why you're out there. Exactly. Helping all of us. Yeah. And it's too bad you're not passionate about this, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. That's one thing I do like. Uh, if they uh, cut off my uh, 3D modeling and drawing access, I probably wouldn't be any good at what I do because I need to get my ideas out sure. there on, on paper. Like I said, they're not pretty. I might not be you know, an artist, but functionality wise, uh, I, I always just remember uh, trying to build stuff at home bored after high school. Yeah. Uh, you should have seen my uh, the half pipe I tried to make to skateboard on. I can not only pretty, imagine. Not pretty. So, but were there injuries involved? Oh yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Well, I didn't know you had to wet the plywood uh, before you try to make the curve with it. Mm-hmm. So, couple uh, drop-ins down the ramp and crack. They just snapped. Yeah, it was yeah. a face plant, uh, so so to speak. Something tells me that wasn't the only time you designed something that may not have worked, at least during the high school years. Or did yes. most of them work? Oh, man. I'd I'd go 50-50. Okay. Probably more 30-70, actually. Uh, Success to failure. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) What's the best success? Probably something to do with a subwoofer in the Mercury Mountaineer. Um, Let's just say (laughs) no no hookups for for anything in that thing. Uh, Somehow I got... The wire from the battery, found a little grommet to remove, got the power through, and then find some way to tap in. I tapped into the back speakers. Then you have to have a way to turn it on. Let's just say it shorted out the locks with the speakers on full blast at about two in the morning one night on the west side of Binghamton at my uh, at my college house. <laughs> and... The neighbors weren't none too happy. And um, the song was? It could have been anything. It's probably something with techno music playing. Uh, All right. Yeah. But it was loud, a lot of bass, yeah. and uh, definitely woke up the neighbors a little bit. Luckily, uh, luckily, I had a buddy that was good at breaking into cars. <laughs> Clothes hanger, no problem. Uh, we got it. But it went on for a solid 25 minutes, so. That's great. Luckily, though, in the connector world, I usually come up with a conceptual design at mm-hmm. this point. And then once we lock in the requirements, luckily, I know m- most of what we can and can't do. Right. I won't say I bat a thousand when it comes to once the design goes to our design engineering team for the detail design. Occasionally, they will say, hey, this is going to be tough to do. We might have to mold a new component Mm -hmm. or, um, hey, we have to go back to the customer. And um, this dimension you put needs to be a bit longer. But definitely the experience I had five years in design really helped me out. If I was trying to do this right out of another industry and tried to be an applications engineer here, not having the detailed design experience would not have set me up for success. Yeah. So there would have been a lot of stinkers, I call them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> bad designs that, you know, engineering gets them. They're like, we can't do this. What are you yeah. doing? Take it back to the customer. Here's something more realistic. Right. Batting a thousand would be great. But as long as you're batting really close and we have a design that the design engineering team can put out a good product. That's really the most valuable thing for me. You know, not just getting a conceptual design the customer likes, getting one that gets designed, gets built well, and gets out the door. Uh, that's pretty cool. And sometimes you even get to go see them 
right. see them at the customer. It's uh, that that's pretty valuable. Sounds like you're having a good time. Yeah, it's it's kind of I call it nerding out a little bit when yeah. you, you when you finally see it. We all have to admit we all got a little nerd in us. Matt, thank you very much. I appreciate you coming on. Hey, thank you. All right, man. See you.